What do I do with the internet? The internet is for email and porn. It's the only two use cases. <laughs> That's it. I'm I'm genuinely and shocked. And of those two, the one you pick is email in the Vision Pro? <laughs> <laughs> I'm genuinely shocked by this. friends how goes it hey guys well, we just got back from la oh my goodness the jet setting morins and the <laughs> for once at home lessons well what were you doing in everybody. la I have, no, I have no idea what were you doing in la <laughs> i would imagine 50 percent of our podcast listeners were also in la yeah. <laughs> this week. It was nice to see you all. It was uh, yeah. I've had more I had more conversations about the pod in one day than I've had since we started doing this. So it was pretty cool on that front. Yes. We should get we should get Mark Schuster to to sponsor our podcast as he grows oh, his, yeah. his as he grows his live events empire. Yeah. Or we should sponsor their conference. Anyway, so Ooh, it was there's the up- an idea. <laughs> we get paid. We don't pay. <laughs> <laughs> Distribution, Sam. We still have to work out business models here at More or Less, but but before we get too far down, let, let's welcome all our listeners to yet another week of More or Less. I feel like I could just make claims about this podcast. Silicon Valley's favorite podcast, More <laughs> or Less, brought to you by the Lessons and the Morins. I'm Jessica Lesson of The Information here with Sam Lesson of Slow Ventures, Britt Morin of Offline Ventures, and Dave Morin of Offline Ventures. And we're happy to be here. Okay, now that we have told people what we're doing here, tell us more about this LA event. Okay, so it's called the Upfront Summit. It's been going on for how long, Dave? A decade? I don't know. Probably a decade. A thousand years. 10,000 years before when venture capitalists were cavemen. I do have to give props to Mark Suster. He's created something really special and it was really great. I thought. Yeah, it's not like one of those events where all the junior people go. <laughs> we paid for tickets. Yeah, I've heard they're getting expensive. How much did you pay for such ticket? They're kind of expensive. They're like $3,000. You spent $3,000 to talk to venture capitalists? Jess, you have information summits that cost money. Don't act like this is a yeah, this is a no, $750. Until now, I'm going to add a few zeros. You should actually. Here's why, Jess. Okay. You know why? Because price equals quality, guys. Price equals quality. You charge more, it's worth yeah. more. The million dollar summit. The caliber of people that were there is legit. It's not the junior people. It's very curated. It's all the main people from the, <laughs> like, like 10, the LP side. It's not 10,000. It was like 500. Okay. Yeah, it's like 500. You know, it's a good event. It's, we're, we're pro, but like, just to keep pushing no, it, no. I will tell half you. Half my team, half the information newsroom is there, to be clear. We like it. I will say, I was also talking to someone. Apparently, they're now also charging LPs, which is very impressive. And wow. you know, the, for Jessica, for they your should. business model... I was with an LP yeah. who was talking about it and they were like, ah, oh, it's like 2000 bucks. doesn't matter. So I think the reality is always charge more because no one cares what it costs. It's all expensed. <laughs> we, we came in late in the game. I do think there's surge pricing because we weren't sure we could go. And then we came in late in the game. And I think our tickets cost more than others. 
I don't know. So let's, before we move on to yet another jam-packed week, give us an insight, oh, venture capitalists. Like, why would venture capitalists like yourself, like, what do you get out of this event? It's a marketplace. There are people talking on stage, as in all events, but you're networking with other VCs to do, like, deals with these VCs? Are there a lot of entrepreneurs? Is it LPs? I think this is the premier marketplace of GPs and LPs. And there's really nothing mm. else like it. Like, I, I actually don't know of anything else like it. And because you can't come to my women's events, Dave. But yes, well, true. maybe you could do you could do a more diverse event next time, Jess. Oh, perhaps I could. <laughs> it feels like what South by Southwest felt like in 2008, where it was really small. It was good groups of people. There was actually some alpha being shared around. It felt like that. Alpha. Wow. Yeah. Alpha. <laughs> I, I, I need alpha, beta. I'm not going to tell you guys. You weren't there. You didn't pay for it. So we're not going to share our secrets of the alpha we oh, got I send yesterday. Kevin to those things. Kevin's in charge of that shit. <laughs> we spent a lot of time with Kevin yesterday. We did hang out with Kevin quite a bit. I know you did. I my, you know Kevin always sends me photos of himself <laughs> with other people being like, I'm here with this person. But this was the first time in a while I had other VCs sending me photos with Kevin. So he's outsourced that job to other people in a hilarious <laughs> way. Okay, so like one or two more questions on this. So where is it? I want to set the scene for people. Wasn't it in like a stadium at one point? No, it's in it's in a soundstage in okay. West Hollywood. Which, by the way, we were talking about and we were thinking that soundstages are probably going to come a lot cheaper because more of Hollywood's going to use AI to just make a lot of their yes, scenes and sets. So... I think there's some strategy of how to take advantage of soundstage real estate. And set builders. They had these... It was kind of amazing, the the stuff they had built up. It was cool. Only only in LA. It's kind of like a way to dig it to technology. It's like we're going to disrupt Hollywood so much that the only future of your soundstage is to host venture capitalists. Or no, to host live <laughs> events. I think it's an interesting thought that... I mean, we're seeing this trend in a lot of ways, right? The live event is coming yeah. back. Okay, so we picture this now, too. And then without giving away anything that is real alpha for you, what, what were some themes? And you can't say AI. Well, one of the themes was that AI is an uninvestable category, which... Guess who said yes. it? Guess who said it? Our podcast guest, Brian Singerman, gave a talk. Yes. Love it. The podcast was better that he did with us. It wasn't worth... Brian Singerman went to a conference. Okay, I have to think more about that, but... <laughs> I'm telling you, they're getting the A-listers. <laughs> so AI is uninvestable. Okay, check. What else? What else, Brett? We talked a lot about sports tech and sort of mm -hmm. like yeah. what's happening with sports and yeah. a bunch of interesting business models around athletes. One of my and favorite sports. favorite hobby horses. Yeah. And and kind of like the proliferation of how sporting events are like one of the last bastions of real community that we have because so much of our lives are lived online. So that was kind of interesting. Guys, it sounds like they all listen to the pod. This is what we talk about. I was feeling very validated, actually. I was like, okay. we had talked about this a month ago. Yeah. So yeah. if anyone's listening right now and you're thinking, maybe I should go to the Upfront Summit. No, you should just listen to more, <laughs> more or less. Send us 2500 of the $3,000. Yeah. No, that's good. I A quick sports side thing. I'm, I'm going deep. Thanks. Thanks to all the listeners who continue to recommend football docuseries to me after my comments earlier on the pod about Coach Prime, which I have started. And I did last now, night. I do I get to get you a CU hat now too? 
Dave, I'll take all the hats. Yes. But I started the dynasty, the Patriots. Oh, is it good? It is so far very good. Interesting. Say, I've been so. wondering. All right. I'll give it a try. So good. I, I love the I love the genre. Sam, do you watch any of these with your wife or no? Is this just Jess only? No, you don't care? I, go to the, I get in the sauna. <laughs> she watches this they're stuff. just so satisfying these docuseries i love them okay guys so sam gets in the sauna or the vision pro he's either in the vision pro or in the sauna you guys saw my picture of sam in our dining room he's converted it to an, a vision pro office not, i mean i look i i actually don't mind i kind of like doing email inside the vision pro really i was wondering which use case you were using it for what do I do with the internet? The internet is for email and porn. It's the only two use cases. <laughs> That's it. I'm I'm genuinely and shocked. And of those two, the one you pick is email in the Vision Pro? <laughs> <laughs> I'm genuinely shocked by this. I haven't done the porn in the Vision Pro. It feels weird. I, I think it's probably a use case. It probably is the use case. But that's just a weird thing to do in your house. Like, I don't know. I'm not into that. But email is great. <laughs> Can't you set it up the Vision Pro so that you have certain scenes in certain rooms of the house, Sam, so you could keep it to the bedroom? It's not like you would do it in the playroom, so it wouldn't be oh, that weird. <laughs> Fair okay, enough. we're not there yet. Report back. Okay, report back. <laughs> Quick Vision Pro check-in from the Morins. Any new use cases? Flagging? Too much skiing? Haven't had time? We've been wearing the other types of goggles. We had ski week with our kids, so we had real yeah. ski goggles on. I left it home because I wanted to keep the kids, you know, in the outdoors. Got it. Okay. A bright future for this Vision Pro thing. <laughs> no, just kidding. Well, let's talk. We have a lot of headlines for the week. So I go through a couple of them, and then I think there's lots to discuss. The, the biggest one, or one big one, was that Apple killed its electric vehicle projects. So to give folks a little bit of history here, many, many years ago, I don't know exactly how many, but five plus, maybe even more, Apple started to build a car or a project, a, a secret project to build a car. We know at the time, Johnny Ive, who was still at the company then, was particularly interested in this. At the time, it was kind of like, you know, Tesla was was starting to take off. You had self-driving at Waymo and other places. And so in some ways it made seemed to make sense. But reporting this week that the company has basically has decided to to shutter it and to move some folks on it to their AI efforts. Maybe we should just jump into this because I think it, it touches a lot of themes. But I'm I'm interested in what the Morins think. Good move, bad move. I think it was a lot longer than the last five years. I mean, yeah, I feel I like your right car was on the roadmap since it was on the roadmap. Didn't it start 2014 or something? So it's almost 10 years old, right? Guys, why do we care about this at all? Oh my God, Sam. Okay. Let me tell you why we care Here's about the deal. this. I'm kind of sad. Like you're using the vision pro. Wouldn't you want to drive an Apple car? Like an Apple car would be pretty amazing use an apple phone i do use an i use an old apple phone and i use the vision pro because i've been experimenting with it but i don't it's not like i saw our friend casey posted a survey on twitter did you see this about the vision pro being like it's been x days are you still using it and 80 percent of people of four thousand responses to him said no not hmm. using it it's not like 
Nah. Like, it's cool. It's cool. But it's like, I don't care. And like, the reality is I wasn't going to buy an Apple car and companies go do lots of silly things. Why wouldn't you buy an Apple car? You don't even know what's inside the Apple car. It's just the fucking car is why, right? But what and if like, all can... the glass inside of it was like a computer? Well, they didn't set out. So, okay. I uh, This is where Jessica has to justify the topics again. But, okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, this isn't just about whether you want to drive in an Apple vehicle. This is about how the world's second most valuable company that has been, you know, riffing off one device for decades and riding that to huge growth that and ownership of the entire digital landscape, like I think how it grows, right? So, I mean, it's an interest. The reason Apple was pursuing this marketplace is because how many markets are there left in tech for, to make a $2 trillion company, a $5 trillion company. That's why, to be clear, I'm interested in this. And couldn't agree more. The biggest companies in the world do a very simple math. As you said, Jessica, which is like, what are the biggest markets? Because they're the only thing that matter. Banking, health, transportation. You're thinking about like the most core human activities. And then what can you do to get in that game? That was how you get the Goldman Sachs Apple card major Correct. failure. Right? Also disaster. Yeah. That is how you get all the weird health shit these companies do. Or transportation goes, they have no business being in these markets, but they're so big that they just like have to have some idea of what to play in because they're like they're out of ideas at a scale. Now, the interesting thing for me is like how to get a two trillion dollar company is the answer actually is not to do this type of you know consulting analysis of what are the biggest markets and how do we put shoehorn ourselves in there regardless of whether it makes sense. It's the NVIDIA thing, right? We're just like actually we're just in a thing that turns out to be way bigger than you even thought doing what we do, right? And so that's the thing I think. The thing that I blasely get frustrated by is like, you know, the best companies in the world don't just look, do a market map of what human beings do. And they're like, ooh, humans sleep a lot. Like we should be in the sleep business, right? Or humans drive a lot. We should be in the driving business. They have like a really interesting and organic flow through take on like how what they do and what they're awesome at adapts. And like, I just think that the car thing, they'll say, oh, we, we, we're a hardware company. It's all just hardware. It's a moving computer. I just think it's like too simplistic. And like, I kind of disrespect those types of efforts. So I'm glad they stopped it. <laughs> Dave, what do you think? As the person, one of the two people who worked at Apple. I don't think they do market maps. I don't think they do. I don't think there's a consulting bone in Apple's body. And I think they choose the hobbies and the primary projects they want to get into that they have primary competence in. So I guess maybe, Sam, the the last thing that you said is the most accurate, which is that here's a behemoth company in industrial design and manufacturing. And they know how to do manufacturing almost uh, arguably better than anybody in the world. And uh, especially when they started this project, right? Tesla certainly wasn't where it is now with manufacturing when they started this project. Mm -hmm. I think you could make an argument that Tesla is now one of the best manufacturing companies in the world, obviously highly specialized in this form of moving computer, as you put it. But, you know, if you're looking at your assets and your interests and you're saying, like, where can we take our expertise in personal computing? Where's an industrial design project that we're really interested in? And uh, that we think we can make improvement to people's lives, right? And Apple tends to think that way. That was the way Steve thought. I think that's the way everybody down there thinks is like, where's the, what's the product that we want to do? Because 
we know that if we do it, it will make it the best in the world. It will actually make people's lives better. I think these days they say it will actually enrich people's lives. And I think that there's been a couple of categories that they decided to do this in over the last 10 years. One was health with the watch. And, you know, and the other one was this project, I guess. I do think that it was probably a lot, you know, a lot, boiling the ocean. It's probably an incredibly difficult. I mean, just look at what's happened yeah, with it's Tesla. Like mostly bending metal. Yeah, it's like an incredibly difficult manufacturing problem. But I mean, these are bending metal too, right? It's bending larger That's metal. That's the minority of it though. I think being like, we're great at industrial design or like we're great engineers and therefore all problems are things we should look at is too broad, right? I do believe that Apple execs and people in general say like, we have a super successful company and the model of like, what do we want to build? I'm sure that's a big part of it. I think that's how you get a watch. I think that's how you get things. You're just like, what do I want to build today? Right? Like, I get that. And I think cars are super sexy. As And what would we be great at? Like, I know that. Having worked there, I know that that's the question, right? Like, the question is, you know, Steve always used to say, there's no virtue in saying no to the things that are easy to say no to. I mean, once a year, there'd be this big meeting where he would go through and pick the one or two things for people to focus on. And I think that's like, you have to ask this question, the intersection of, you know, what can you build and what do you want to build and what will be good for improving people's lives? And so I I don't think it's that much of a stretch to choose cars. No, it's more of a bend. (laughs) I want Brit's thought in a sec, but I think we're missing a piece of this conversation, which was self-driving, right? So Apple was setting out to build a self-driving car. And what we've obviously seen over the last 10 years is like a dramatic, you can call it a ratcheting back would probably be the nice way of saying kind of expectations on the progress around autonomous vehicles. Now, I think you guys were telling me you've you've used kind of the autonomous Waymos out and about in San Francisco. So, I mean, they're starting to be... They're really good. (laughs) Yeah. It's shockingly good. But guys, it is such a far cry from where every single company that, you know, 10 years ago thought we would be around self-driving right now. I mean, there's no company, Tesla, Waymo, you know, Cruise has just collapsed. I mean, they all have just the, it's a a far harder problem, a far more complex problem. So I also wonder, I mean, is this... I think some of our back channel was saying the best way to understand Apple's move here is that society kind of wasn't where we thought it would be on the product. I I don't quite buy that. But Britt, what do you think? Well, I I think one important thing to note is that Apple is one of those companies that builds in private, whereas Google builds in public. And Google's been working on the car since 2009. They've had ratchety things in the streets of the mission in San Francisco for so many years now. Everyone's been watching as they're testing all their ideas out on the streets. And I think Apple is at a disadvantage that they like to build in private, that they can't just test these things and get them out there. I don't know where they've been testing all of their technology, but it's obviously much easier to do it on public People roads. saw them. This was not like a super secret thing. People saw these Lexuses all over the all over the city all the time, right? I just don't think yeah. they've gotten the number of reps that Google has. And to your point, Jess, there's such an advantage now in Waymo. It's still not even working, though. It's very difficult. And in the meantime, I think Apple has a lot of big plans for AI, but is quite behind. I mean, if you look at even like Siri versus some of these other tools and products, they need to double down on some of the 
big initiatives they have in house. And I, I don't, I don't think necessarily the the IP is dead. Like I'm actually curious what they do with the IP that they've spent ten years building in the car world. Like, do they partner with Mercedes or somebody? Do they sort of integrate whatever they have left in the IP realm to to sort of make a half version of this work? I, I'm sort of interested in others' thoughts there. I mean, I think this is a full scale retreat. Like, I, I think that obviously AI and sort of computer vision is a big part of self-driving and sort of a big part of of AI. But when I was covering Apple at the Wall Street Journal, I spent, I don't know, two years on the development of a flat screen television product, right, that Apple was working on that had a gazillion prototypes, but it was like never clear if it was going to launch, right? It was just something that yeah. they kept prototyping. And then they, they came up with like the just Apple TV box instead. This car wasn't that, right? I mean, it was... It was the Titan project. To Dave's point, I mean, I'm just looking at a past information article where we're showing pictures of this thing in Sunnyvale. So I think it also, I I think it does tell us something about Apple too in this moment. And I think it's good. I respect Apple for shutting it down. They should not be in the car business. I mean, like, mm-hmm. I have no idea what they spent. Probably, you know, it's such a huge company that they can spend a lot and no one can notice. But like, you know, it's like, uh, we can argue about why Facebook, sorry, why Meta cares about the metaverse and Oculus, right? We can argue about it. But there is a coherent theory about why it's super important to their business and what they do and like why they need platform independent, da, 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 which is at least well thought through. And you can argue about the investment they make in it. The thing I have such disrespect for in the Apple self-driving car is it's just like, it feels to me like a random swerve by overempowered executives. We're like, it just doesn't, it feels like a vanity project that when you're so big, you can do for a very long time. And so I think it's good they shut it down. Just a quick data point, Britt. I didn't realize we did this. So in 2017, Apple bought a track in Arizona through a shell company. Sorry, it it entered it at least one in 2017. Then they bought this track and so they basically, this is amazing. They they built like a whole simulated city with streets. They named it Robo City. And they <laughs> oh, used shipping amazing. containers for buildings. And they hired contractors to act as pedestrians. Wouldn't How you? How much do those contractors get paid? And so this is their test track. And we have a sat- satellite image of it that will I love the idea we'll of being paid up. to be a pedestrian and be like, okay, we want you to walk around. This car might try to hit you. I know. This is crazy. <laughs> I was saying to you guys earlier, when I see an autonomous vehicle in the streets of San Francisco trying to turn left, I will go out of my way to get out of its way. Like, that is my sense of... Um, the current which is great because then the ais all learn that all the pedestrians move when they turn left so it's fine yeah it's like no, reinforcing function i know but I, meanwhile <laughs> weird thing people love to move out of the way for left turns yeah i want to visit robo city this sounds amazing yeah. no this is so good i'm this sending could be the next the big theme park that so that if you told me apple was getting into theme parks i'd understand that <laughs> it totally <laughs> looks like a city but as it, in our reporter wayne who wrote this great piece pointed out like this was just like pure demoware, right? Like they built a whole enabling thing for their demo. If the cars were running into pedestrians, I actually think to Britt's point, that would be a really great experience. Like you pay some money and then it's like <laughs> escape from cars. And the cars try to hit you and you run away. Yeah. And then you can have a betting app, betting app, which pedestrian gets hit first. 
That's right, betting. It's all about betting on which pedestrian contractor is going to get hit first. It's like amazing. Guys, this is, it's really bad. And, um, okay, we have to... I, I, I'm going to continue to share this story because it has incredible detail. And I think it, it's illustrative of really what what this project was. So, but moving forward, okay, so say... And, and I think I did a Twitter poll on this. About 70% of... 75% of people I polled said, you know, this is a good move. I mean, the stock market liked it. Showed fiscal discipline, blah, blah, blah. Okay, good move. So what's the bull? I mean, I guess the bull case for Apple was never really the car. But you know what's gonna be sorry, what's gonna you know what's gonna really drive the stock price up when they announce that they are shuttering the theme park for hitting pedestrians. <laughs> that stock's gonna rip. People are like it's thank God what discipline they shut down their theme park. <laughs> We should also, what's coming to mind I, 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 in as we progress with this episode, which hopefully does progress, <laughs> and we get to some of the other PR crises facing the tech industry right now, aka Google, comparing those to hitting pedestrians in theme parks. To be clear, we don't know how many pedestrians were actually hit. It's very possible no pedestrians were hit. That makes it really hard to bet on it. Yeah. But okay, so... If if the auto the vehicle market is not going to be Apple's next trillion dollar opportunity, what is? Britt, what do you think? I mean, I think I think localized LLMs chips, I think they're going to enter this race in a whole new way. And I think they're gonna have a lot of really interesting advantages and sort of tailwinds behind them. So So AI and money that they make by selling more phones because of AI or what? I think the software, like the OS and the software becomes much stronger because of what they're doing across the board. And I think people will pay more for a lot of different parts of that and they'll control, they'll have continue to have more of a monopoly on their current consumers and users because of the strength of everything that they'll be launching. Yeah, I mean, I also think that, um, we've said it on several episodes before, but to me, this move really just clarifies that you know apple's a personal technology company right that's like a provider of personal technology to you know, enable you to be creative to communicate to be entertained to really like carry around the tools for doing all of these things i mean we're all using a bunch of their products right now to make this podcast right and it just kind of i think clarifies the original mission of apple in a way you could argue like we were saying earlier that cars are a personal technology, freedom enabling technology. But I think that what's going on with the Vision Pro, uh, the direction that that points in, their unique advantages in silicone, the scale of the services business continuing to grow as the as this new sort of spatial computing service gets bigger and bigger. And, you know, the more, more, more parts of it intertwine. And I've said it before, but I think that the the strategy is Cambrian going forward, right? Where you've got all these different uh, tools that you're using, they all interact with each other, they all enable this like new spatial computing future. I actually think they've been quite direct about what they think the future is. And this actually just further clarifies it and strengthens that direction. Um, And, you know, Britt's right, they're going to come in with, uh, they're already seeing it, you know, we've seen uh, low resolution models published in the open source community, we've seen you know, uh, they've already been doing lots of machine learning silicone work. There's already machine learning chips on the iPhone today, right? So they're just going to continue to get much, much, much better at that. It seems like this uh, PR cycle is really clear on that. And so to me, 
Um, I think it's like very clarifying actually as a customer and as somebody. Can I, I, I think I got a lot. I think I got a title for the podcast. You ready? Yeah. Apple bicycles for the mind, not actually bicycles. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> okay. Let's vote up or down. <laughs> Too long. Less. I'm less on that title, Sam. <laughs> just like, that's the point. It's like these are technology tools for the mind. They're not yeah. like transportation. They're not in the trans. Not for the body. Not yeah. for the body. They, they've lost track of the mission. I don't transport the body. I transport the mind. Yeah. On this more, theme, more mind. If we were playing Axe, the business elsewhere in the tech industry, like what other businesses? Should companies axe, right? If you're ah. we're saying, okay, this is Whoa. a good move, Apple. We get to play tech industry editor. Yeah, you get to edit the tech industry. What what would you cut? Sam, what would you cut? Am I allowed to cut entire companies? <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah, yes, I suppose. I mean, yes, but but that's less interesting. Ooh, this is interesting. What are the question. biggest money losing? businesses that make no sense that companies maintain that's actually a really great question i don't know that mm-hmm. i have off the top of my head good answers well, to would that. you cut i think i know the answer to this but the many meta investors would cut the oculus business that's a tough one because the obvious answer is it's an easy thing to cut and you get way more profitable and just do your thing and meta's ripping on everything else i i don't i think spending a small percentage of your budget on something you feel is existential right, isn't crazy. And that's fundamentally, I think, the way Meta thinks about it. But using the same logic that you used for the car, mm-hmm. like here's a company that doesn't know anything about building this stuff. Totally. And totally. you and I have been part of projects. I-, I was part of projects trying to build stuff at Facebook. You know, there's been so many versions of We've this. We've cut a lot of stuff from Facebook, yeah. you and I. Yeah. And, y- you know, it's like, I don't want to hate on it either. But I'm also looking at what Mosseri and Mark are doing with threads. And it's like, I'm like cheering on just like, this is awesome. Like, it's really awesome to watch Meta do what it's the best in the world at, which is building things like threads. Amen. And it's like, let's do more of that and less of this other thing that has nothing to do with the thing that we were always so good at there. Look, I totally agree with you, Dave. And I think that's a great analysis. And I, I basically agree. The only caveat, right, is that like, the, it wasn't like people had to drive cars to get to an Apple product, right? Like if, if Apple was in some scenario where like cars were middleware. Mm-hmm. I mean, you do have to drive a car to get to the Apple store. <laughs> the internet, Dave, there's this thing called e-commerce. <laughs> that's the thing that's yeah. I think difficult about that analysis is like when your yeah. supply chain is choked by competitors, sometimes like existentially, like you have to get in that game in a way that other like, so it's like, if Facebook said I have to be like, there was a period where Facebook was like in the ISP esque game, right? Yeah. Like in like the third world, and you're like on first blush, I was a hater on that. I thought it was a not a good use of resources and time and attention. But like, there's at least internal logic to it. Yeah, right? I don't know. But I mean, Dave, I don't, I, I can't remember this too, but I feel like Apple has gotten more in the logistics business because they need to to get their products. Sure, and everybody places. will do that. But yeah, yeah, but that's more analogous, I think. To well, it depends. It depends. It's like, does Amazon need to be? Does Amazon need to own airplanes? You're like, kinda. Yes. I get yes, it. Absolutely. Does Netflix need to own TVs? Maybe. That's what I was no. going to say. Like Google's Pixel phones and Nest devices, like they operate at a loss. And Netflix would need to own TVs if the TV maker said you can't watch Netflix on my TV. Ooh, 
Actually, this is reminding me of something that brings together our first two topics, which is as I was walking around the Upfront Summit, I ran it. So I've been, I, I'm, I can't even believe I'm about to admit this, but I've fallen in love with the Pixel Fold device. And I saw several, like way more people using the Pixel Fold at this event than I expected. Like it was, it was noticeable. And I sat down next to a few people and I said, I love that thing too. And I initially got it because I wanted a better Kindle because it folds. And so it feels like you're holding a book. And many people said the same thing to me. They all, and these are, you know, people that are uh, betting on the future, thinking about the future a lot, trying out a lot of products. And almost everyone said the same thing, which is that they said the foldable phone is a sleeper hit that nobody realizes is going to be one of the next big things. So how do I invest in Fold? I, I hate to admit... <laughs> Apple's developing one. We broke this news on February 7th. You know what I want is a folding car. Yeah. But it, <laughs> I thought it was a very interesting... I think it's a very interesting new category that I initially... I, I was so skeptical of. I'm like, nobody wants that. Like, no one wants a folding phone. And then I got one out of a recommendation of a friend. And, you know, it's it's a really good device. And I, I, I heard that it breaks constantly. I heard it's like a six-time use phone. The Fold? <laughs> yeah. No, like, it's great. You can fold it, but only once. <laughs> but wait, it's Dave, great. you 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 carry you carry this as a Kindle? Is yeah. that what you do? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then I find myself doing email on it. It's like actually the bigger screen this way is actually really good. And I, I'm really, mm. I can't even believe I'm saying this. What was but, the device people had in like the early 2000s where the thing like would switch around? It was the Switch. No, it was like... like oh, it was, uh, the, the sidekick, sidekick. 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 Yeah, sidekick. Oh, yeah. Okay, so Dave, you're long on the Pixel. No, I'm long on foldable phones. Okay, not the not that Google should continue to make Pixels. Dave will not be on record being long an Android phone. Is that correct? Oh, no, good I question. Won't. He's okay. less that, not more. I just want, I don't want there to be any mistaking, misquoting. Yeah, or don't misquote anything. me on that. I would never misquote you on that. Okay. Oh <laughs> but I mean, it does have Gemini. Heads would roll. Whoa. Watch out, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, ready? Dave isn't long the foldable phone, but he is wide. The oh my god! Because <laughs> when Sam. we tape past three p.m., Sam just tries to do singers <laughs> three in a row. Sam, it's so good. <laughs> Bicycles oh. for the mind, wide versus long. Dave, All I right. do think you're onto something. I think this is why Apple has been prototyping a foldable phone, as reported by the information. I think you're right. I think there's something to the category. Whether they launch it or not, who knows? It's an easy category to laugh at. You know, you're like, what? Like, who cares? Like, you know, every year at CES, there's these launches of various electronics that there's a lot of them where you're just like, who cares? No one's ever going to use that. They're just like doing something weird. But I don't know. There's something Is the to this stylus one. coming back? Are we going to argue no, for that? No, no, no. <laughs> flip, not foldable phones, but flip phones yeah, are Casey increasing in market too. size. Yeah, they're sold out in a lot of places, actually. Yeah, by Gen eBay's Z. apparently sold out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Stringer yeah, Bell. I don't know. Wow. I don't know. Okay, there's a lot to unpack here. Let's make our final segment here the PR woes of Google. So <laughs> they did this to themselves. Okay, let me explain the situation. Then you can do the hot <laughs> take. Then we can do the more thoughtful take. Okay, so 
Big kerfuffle on the internet. Google's new Gemini chatbot, which we've talked about here. Some some people, not myself, had early access to, thought it was quite good. Of course, it's, it's more out in the wild now. The, the people of the internet start to test it, use it, find that when they're asking it for things like, show me pictures of the Pope, Gemini shows a variety of images of Pope's. Black but black or female or basically nothing based in actual historical record of the papal kingdoms. So what do you guys, obviously this turned into an uproar, everyone who hates Google, which turns out to be a lot of people in Silicon Valley, including some of its biggest rivals like Elon Musk or Mark Andreessen, or guess not a rival, (laughs) but in some ways a rival, immediately take to this and condemn the wokeness of Gemini. If those of you will remember when OpenAI first came out with its early models, exactly the same thing happened. And it actually triggered Elon to create X.AI, which... But even before that, it was even worse, right? When Microsoft was putting out those models, they were like atrocious the other direction, This is not a new issue, but this is the latest chapter caused Sundar, CEO of Google, to kind of issue a stern, both an apology, but sort of a message to the troops about this being unacceptable. Okay, over to you, Sam. What's your take? Well, I'll give a silly take and a serious take. Well, maybe I'll just give a serious take. Here's the thing. When you take the internet, which is full of misinformation and noise, and then consolidate it all down into a model and pretend like you're speaking rather than all the voices in the websites of the internet, you centralize a lot of liability, right? So that's step one. When you then say on top of that, we're going to start shimming it and saying, well, we don't like what all these crazy people are saying on the internet because we know it's made up and bad. So we're going to shim it and change it on top of it with more crap. You're basically just centralizing an enormous amount of liability on yourself for all these types of things. You know, if some random website on the internet decided to make images of the Black Pope and call it history, you'd be like, well, that's a stupid random source on the internet doing that. And I think this is like the big deep thing about a lot of these LLMs and like a lot of the way people are doing it is like the whole history of technology companies, the way the internet works has been about effectively centralizing value and pushing out all the risk and liability to other people. You say, okay, like we're the search engine. Like we're just searching. We can't like, we're going to index it. That's cool. But like, no reps about what we're pushing you out to. And like, it's not our content, you know, hands off section 230. I think this is the weird part about the moment we're in, which is like all these companies in like this mad race for user interface have decided to like just centralize all the liability. And they're doing it. It's like, it's crap on crap, which is even more crap, right? And like, I just think it's like inelegant and super dangerous for them, but it's also super dangerous for the world because you end up with a world where you have no idea what's true and what's not true. And I don't know. Like, I just think like, I mean, it is hilarious, right? And again, the woke arguments, I agree. Like, I think the fact that it's such a blatant display of like how gone awry a lot of our DEI and inclusion approaches have been, right? To like see some of this stuff. But I I think the deeper point is just like, what a complete mess for reality. And like, there's no way to fix it. Like, you're not going to be like, oh, Sundar, like, let's, let's change it. Let's change our shim a little bit. So if we're talking about history, it's a white pope. But if you're imagining an ideal world, it's a black pope. Like, that's ridiculous. But like, it's a liability thing. And I just I think people haven't come to terms with that. Yeah, Brett, what's your take? Having been the only person who worked at Google? 
<laughs> among the four. I second everything Sam said, and I bet every other LLM right now is fine-tuning all of their models. Google is kind of maybe one of the first to just get dinged on this in a significant way and probably had trained it in a, in a more significant way than others. <laughs> I just, you know, the, the message is sort of right now that I just put something into Gemini. It's like, we expect the feature to return soon and we'll notify you and release updates when it does. I, I don't know how soon it will return, but I actually envision this is kind of a blip for Google. There are going to be people's metabolism to forget this stuff is very rapid. I think it's obvious why this happened. I don't think it's like a huge marketing faux pas that's going to take them down in in many ways, especially after the next couple of weeks. Like people are going to forget about it. They'll fine tune it. They'll sort of like figure it out as they go. And I don't know. I'm just not super concerned about this overall. Dave, what do you think about Sam? Like, you know, we it's easy to lose sight that these LLMs on in the way to what some people think is AGI, to Sam's point, are just trained on all the sh- stuff they're trained on. And like, that is actually, like, is that a fundamental flaw of them? I mean, I think that's what we're seeing here. I, I And I guess, Sam, this was your point, right? We're not just seeing like, a fi- Google wants you to think it's a failure to appropriately red team the problem, right? It's a failure to appropriately safeguard, moderate, et cetera. So the problem is that they did safeguard and moderate it, right? On top of junk already, right? Right. I mean, but the, or Dave, what do you think? So I have a modest proposal, which is kind of ties together what we were talking about earlier about self-driving cars. You know, in the self-driving car world, because the mission of self-driving cars was self-driving cars, we had this whole debate around what's the difference between, you know, a car that has cruise control and a car that is fully autonomously self-driving, right? And like in the beginning of all of that, which is also a big, gigantic machine learning and artificial intelligence problem, we came up with this framework for, okay, there's going to be a level one type, you know, self-driving car and a level two self-driving car and a level three. And we've kind of quickly gotten into a world with these LLMs where we're just versioning them. You know, it's like, well, this is the, you know, version four and this is the seven billion parameter model, right? Rather than kind of having a conversation about like, how safe is it to use this model? And there's been this kind of general conversation around like, well, we're all trying to push for more safety and we don't want these things to be in put into the wrong hands. We don't want them to be racist. We don't want them to be this, 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 right? There's all these bad things that can come from doing LLM wrong. Maybe we should just be talking about, well, like this is a level one model and this is a level three model and this is a level five model. I mean, to some extent, that is what Elon's doing with Grok, right? Like Grok has two modes. He's got this like, I can't remember what they're called. There's like the general mode and then there's the like crazy mode. Grok is Elon's chatbot based off his new... XAI and Twitter, right? It's X's, it's X's LLM, right? So it's like, yeah. and it has two levels. I think one of them is called normal and one of them is called ludicrous, kind of like what they do with the cars, right? And it'll it'll say really crazy things to you, but you set it in that mode. And so I kind of wonder if like that's where we should go with this is just be way more transparent about what these models can do. Like this is an X-rated one. This is a G-rated one, you know, and you use it at your own risk kind of a thing rather than what's kind of going on right now is that we're trying to play editor in these things and, you know, put some 
constraints on them to try to control what the output might be for like a general population, right? And that might not be the best way to go about this. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing I think about a lot when you just try to like humanize this is like we've had, what, 15, 20 years of debate about feed ranking, 15 at least, you know, and so the whole thing is, well, do you like who gets to choose the ranking? What is it optimized for? You know, like, is it like a diversity of opinions or just making you click on things? And if you remember, like as part of the backdrop to this whole feed ranking argument, there was always the, well, just let people choose, right? Like you choose how many photos you have. You choose if you want most recent or most engaging. Like you choose who to follow. Like there was all the, the, the question of like, well, I don't want responsibility. So like just here's a bunch of settings. And look, for what it's worth, I actually agree with Dave. I think that would be better. It'd be like, if you're like, hey, I'm super woke. So please like show me black popes, right? Like, cool, fine. That's your prerogative if you want that. And like, I think it is, it certainly pushes liability away from the central voice to the user, which is you want to do. Like, you don't want to take responsibility for that. But it also just gives them control, right? Like, that's nice, right? Like, if I want to have that experience, like, fine. And I think it's a little bit different than feeds, right? Like, feeds have all these other competing interests involved, you know, and this is like a very specifically personal interaction that I'm having. Well, that's the question is, is it? Because couldn't you also just look at like a lot of these things and be like, all this AI, the way to think about AI in inning one, when we're in inning nine of feed ranking debates, is all it is, is just like another feed problem. But not only is the ranking different, but like the content itself is just whatever you want it to be. Hmm. Right. It's like if you think about it, you started with feeds, it was like, hey, you select who to follow. And then like we'll make some choices about what to show you from that. Then you got to TikTok, which is like, yeah, forget who to follow. We're just gonna show you good stuff. But it's gonna be from someone. And this is just like, don't even worry about that. It's not it doesn't even from anyone. It's just we just invented it. Right. It's just like this this kind of like. So, moving so what's ball your prediction? Like, what does this mean for the future? What do you mean? I think it means we're just going to be all obsessed with our little mini versions of the world reflected back on us exactly what we want with no basis in reality. Hmm. But it's going to okay. be really addicting. So we're going to pick our own AI. I think Dave, you're right. I, mean, I think that's how these the builders of this technology also think it will go. Right. So, but to Dave's point, the problem is I think Dave articulates it really well. And it's a great way to think about it, which is the model of we're so powerful, we're making an AGI character, so it has to have a voice is very different than being like, it's just pure technology, choose your own Mm. adventure, you want a black pope, go for it, right? And like, I think that the second one is far more honest, right? And far more like how I would approach it. It does mean you're gonna have some crazy shit that you'll get these models to do in different ways, but it's more honest. But hackers are already doing this, right? Like if you're a hacker, you've got a, if you've got a, you know, a GPU under your desk and I mean, NVIDIA just launched a really pretty low cost tower that you can buy and put a GPU in your, in your, in your, in your garage and like people are already doing this i mean you can do it on your laptop if you want there are things i think the problem is that works for like a spectrum of like wokeness or like relative thing the problem is that there's going to be parameters where like i really don't want this my model to ever be used to kitty porn make a bomb like that type of stuff and the question of like how you like set those guardrails right where you you are taking some liability you are saying like our, i promise our model will not tell you how to divine a bioweapon but you can choose your own adventures within. There's still a line. It'll still be debated. It'll still be really hard to manage, right? I, um, I think is the reality. You know, we had a piece this week about Llama, Meta's open source model, where we were reporting that as part of the next version, the company is actually trying to figure out how to make the model more open to difficult questions. So they they think that 
they've kind of the guardrails have made it kind of like how sam is trying to make harvard more open to difficult questions sure yes (laughs) yes but that's the right term um, did sam pay you to say that dave no so what do you think so take it back to google We're, we're running google pr what do we do right do you I mean, so far the company's been like, we're so sorry, we made a big mistake, this wasn't ready. Is that the PR point you would take? Well, don't they have to be historically accurate? I mean, that's step one, right? Well, like, they don't have to do, do anything. they have to be historically well, well, I, I mean, mean, I just think you keep shipping, right? Like, it's a great company, you know? They, they, To Sam's point, before feed ranking, there was search ranking, right? And these debates mm-hmm. have been raging for a very long time, and you know, like this is something people are using like millions, if not billions of time a day. And so you can just keep iterating and keep shipping. And like, I think that the, the, I agree with that a hundred percent. No one's going to remember this in six months. This already happened with open AI. Microsoft released Nazi bots. Like this shit's going to keep happening. And it, it, it will blow this insult. The difference is actually much like Harvard is not the incident. It is what it belies about their underlying structures and review processes and who's steering the ship that I think everyone's angry about, right? Mm. Because it's like too obvious that what happened was they built a model that worked a certain way and some DEI experts with too much power came in and said, make a third of the faces black, right? And the the engineers like- I mean, probably. It does seem like that's that's what happened. That's what what happened. And then everyone's like, oh, sweet. We'll make a third of the faces black. Hooray, shim fixed. And like- that's what people are actually upset about. They're not upset that, like of the issue or just to keep shipping. And Google should keep doing that. The thing that Google, I think, has to answer for, and it's not an immediate thing, but at some point, is the review processes that allowed this to happen and how they're changing their internal policies to make sure that, like, effectively, you don't have the wrong people with the wrong power internally making these types of decisions. Yeah, and I guess that's why I brought up the Harvard thing because I and I yeah. feel like there's this new premium in society. Like I was actually reading about Dartmouth and what they're, you know, they haven't gotten pulled into all of this stuff. And it's a lot because the president there has been really pushing for creating conversations on campus where you have, you know, both sides of an issue and you really actually do try to you know, look at it from all the angles. And, you know, I I somewhat feel like the best podcasts that I listen to do this, right? And this is just a thing that I do think there's starting to be demand for, right? Like, I think people are actually, I I actually think people want this, you know? And I think that's like, that's the other thing here, which is I think people are kind of, it's not just outrage, it's people saying, hey, like, I actually do want to see both sides, you know? Well, and, and I think there's also a good thing that comes out of this is coming out of the universities too, which is, look, if the Sindar thing and this whole fiasco did nothing else, I would bet with a certainty of one, right? Definitely true that there were internal people at Google who were messing around with this before it launched. and like, ooh, this is kind of a problem, like that like British sailors are completely ahistorical. And we put it. There's no way they didn't notice this. But I promise what happened was they did notice it and then a bunch of people were afraid to speak up because these DEI issues are so charged and because the teams that run them are so dictatorial that everyone was afraid to be like, hey, this seems kind of crazy. Like, are we sure we want to do this? And I'm sure that conversation got stopped before it even started. And my hope is that this public outrage over this, some of the university stuff, allows people with very reasonable opinions like that to at least raise their hand and have an honest internal conversation. Be like, do we really want to ship something that's going to produce 
historical craziness, like Roman soldiers marrying people they would have never married in relationships that would be completely impossible. Do we really want to ship that? And I've been there. Like, I'm sure that there's a lot of people like, ooh, I, I don't have the right to speak up in this scenario, which is totally wrong. But like, yeah. I think the last 10 years of society has taught us too much. Yeah, for sure. So speak up is the... Speak yeah. up. Be on the record so that when people are like, why did this happen? You can be like, I, I, I said something. Hi, Steve over here. We did notice this. <laughs> yeah. And if you're a leader, you know, create the context for both sides, right? Like yeah. enable both sides to speak up. It's not that there's anything wrong with the DEI conversation or the other conversation. It's that you don't want one side or the other to feel like they can't speak up, right? Like that's what it comes down to. Yeah. And for what it's worth, there's the type of thing where like, if Sindar, if that had been raised to Sindar, if Steve in accounting had been like, uh, I've been playing with our new Gemini model and this seems kind of messed up. And like Sindar's like, I've seen it. I've seen the other options. We're going with the, you know, completely a historical one. Then it's kind of on him. It's like a liability shifting thing. And then you're like, well, Sindar, should you be in charge? Right. Did you make the right call? But right now, I promise it's just that people are too scared to have the conversations. Mm. Fascinating. OK, well, I'm sure there will be more of this to come. In our final minutes, we must, we need a PCC pop culture corner jingle, that, you know. Mm. Mm. On it. Okay, get our jingle girl to do that. Yeah. Like, what? what is catching your eye? I know we've got the Oscars coming up. I did my... Oscars uh, are coming up. Everyone needs to watch all of the Best Picture nominees so you could actively vote. Let's see. Here are a few things. I'm just going to rifle off a few things to keep people up to speed. All right. Okay. Taylor was just in Australia for like six nights of shows. Travis joined her. They went to the zoo, saw kangaroos, and everyone was <laughs> aghast because Taylor brought a physical camera. And now these old school physical cameras are like selling out like hotcakes. Uh, you remember like those old, was it a Canon, Dave? What was it? Uh, no, it's an Olympus that she Olympus carries. cameras. Yeah. yeah. So people are going back to the vintage cameras. The Canon power shots. Did she first corner the market in them? Yeah, <laughs> undoubtedly. Uh, and the folding yeah. phone cameras too. All right. What else? By Brett? the way, uh, little Travis may have been there, but um, he was in LA during the Upfront Summit as well. And I don't believe he attended. I believe he was attending some art gatherings from my Intel Correct. art show. But okay. We had some friends who ran into Taylor and Travis. No, they didn't run into Taylor, Sam. This no, was no, just Travis. Just Travis. Fake news. You misread the text, which resulted in me unnecessarily screaming at the breakfast table, which... <laughs> the text was sent to me. I know. And you, you told me I yelped. I didn't scream. I yelped. And then... Upon further fact-checking, only one of the pair was spotted. So wait, was yeah. the text wrong or did I misread the text? You probably misread the text because I went to the source of your text who had a different story. I don't read so well. It's understandable. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Britt, we got that. So the relationship's going strong. There are kangaroos and Travis likes art. Taylor's dad, Scott Swift, like lashed out at a paparazzi person and got into some trouble. So there's some trouble going on in the Swift family. Okay. I also want to tell you about, uh, I think a lot of our podcast listeners probably watched the show Suits. It's one of the most popular Netflix shows of all time. Isn't it like 100 years old? There's a spinoff. No. Suits LA is happening. I don't know if it's going to be good or not. People wa <laughs> in part watch Suits because suits. the Duchess of Sussex was in it. She is not going to be in said spinoff. Can you so say Duchess of Sussex 10 times fast? <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> I loved Suits when it came out before she was the Duchess of Sussex. Um, it's a great show. Wait, I'm going to make a tangent. I'm going to tangent okay. into number three, the last one, which is everyone's freaking out about Kate Middleton. About a month ago, oh, yeah. what she is went going into the hospital for this abdominal surgery. They wouldn't say more. Kensington Palace has been really quiet about it. She was there for two weeks, which is like a big surgery. All of a sudden, Prince William mm. had to bow out of some events. Um, and he didn't say why. And now the internet is a roar around what's really happening with Kate. So, Tommy, Tommy Tuck? No, gosh, <laughs> no. guys, no. This is pro- like, I, I will not perpetuate the gossip here. Let the woman heal. I'm just telling you what people are talking about. No, I know. I'm referring to Sam's insensitive comment, not... She is in. She put herself directly in the global limelight like no one else. She deserves whatever she gets, good and bad. That's part of the deal. I get to make silly. I mean, the British. You think I'm worse than the British paparazzi? She did that on purpose. The, the British paparazzi actually quite like Kate and are showing For her now. a reasonable amount of respect in this moment. So that's just the moment of cycle. Give I'm belying my loyalties throughout this empire, but. You know, one thing Dave and I learned at the Upfront Summit too, we went, we met an interesting celebrity and she says that oftentimes celebrities will like leak to the paparazzi that they actually like, where they're going to be, what time. Not often, always, always. They get the first shots. They get the first shots of them. They even like send them a few photos to choose the best one from. So they're friendly with them. And then no one else wants to cover it. And so I didn't know this whole hack of the paparazzi thing that goes on with celebrities i knew this and like i'm like the least pcc person you know there's no, there are gaps in all our pcc knowledge and that's why we have each other to every week bring us down to earth now i'll give you one thing so in terms of conferences if you guys remember about 10 years ago i really want I, every time you say pcc i think of the petty crime conference <laughs> oh i forgot about that that was such a good idea this was a conference i wanted to start where it was about petty crime <laughs> this is true i can this is very true yep and like the idea was that we'd have sessions we talk about all the versions of petty crime you could do and how to conduct them and then do like kind of demonstrations everyone could bring something they stole that was small (laughs) oh my god i think after this i signed us up for that like adventure escape training where we learned to pick locks do you remember yeah yeah but i i every time you say pcc i just think it's petty crime conference and i'm like what (laughs) we're doing it to each their own, Sam. We should get hats made regardless. What the PCC, <laughs> it means what it means to you. Um, okay, Dave, final thoughts before we spare well, our listeners. the one thing that I was hoping we were going to talk about this week, but we didn't get to, we can put a pin in it for next time. But I really liked Kirsten Green's uh, article in the information about consumer startups. Yes, let's plug that. because So Kirsten Green of Forerunner Ventures, fabulous investor. Consumer is part of PCC. <laughs> made a data with with her colleagues made a data driven point in our opinion section where she and her team had analyzed returns from consumer versus enterprise tech and was trying to kind of rebut the narrative that consumers dead and all the growth and exits and liquidity have been in enterprise so if you're interested in the topic you should all go read it um and yeah yeah i, I mean it was she well used argued. like i was talking to her to prep bringing this up. And I guess they used, you know, 12,000 companies, um, quite actually really interesting data set. And it does make a really compelling case. I mean, the the general 
point of view, if you're running around, you know, an event like this week or just around the Valley in general lately has been that consumer's dead. Nobody should invest in consumer. But she makes a really compelling case that actually consumer companies, once they hit the public market, perform dramatically better. They're more efficient growing. You know, I think this is something we intuitively all know, but it's interesting how that uh, kind of waxes and wanes in its fashionability. Yep. Not usually based on on data. It's more based on feeling around the valley. Um, And so I I like the piece a lot. I'm still waiting for your op-ed, Dave, about the AI, the coming AI consumer revolution. So Mm. you know what I might do? I might ask ChatGPT to write me an op-ed in the voice of Dave Morin <laughs> on this topic. Now that we've got now that we've got uh, all the all the transcripts. Yeah. Loaded so in. anyway, well guys, I think we covered a lot of ground from the car to Google to AI to LLM. So let's thank our listeners for for sticking with us and as always for the feedback, the comments, the reviews. We love it all. We hope you guys shake off your uh upfront hangovers does this thing like have a poker night or something am i like there's all kinds of parties at night yeah it's because it's in la there's a lot of you know things going on all over okay well if if your vcs are a little tired give them some slack this week and uh oh there's tons of founders there today actually there's a their last day is all founders consumer or enterprise lps vps of what yeah well, I guess long live the tech conference. And with that... Long live the crime conference. <laughs> <laughs> Tickets are $7,000. Unless you can finagle or steal one for free. But, yeah, but there's a way to steal them. Although that's not really petty, is it? That's like grand larceny, isn't it? <laughs> you know, go, go look it up. Okay, guys. We'll see you next week. Thanks for joining. Bye-bye. Bye. Yeah. Bye. If you enjoyed this show, please leave us a virtual high five by rating it and reviewing it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Find more information about each episode in the show notes and follow us on social media by searching for at more or less, at Dave Morin, at Lesson, at J Lesson, and as for me, I'm at Brit. See you guys next time.